Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Truth. Uh, I'm come here for smash this guy. Smash I don't wanna me, talk. mate. Smash I, me. I don't wanna, I yeah, don't smash talk. me. I can smash you say send your lo- send location. Here he is, right here in front of you. I'm right in front of you. Did you not see me at the outside the bus? No. Did you not see me right in front of you outside the fucking bus? I showed you my hands. No weapons. The first thing I when I showed up at that bus, I showed not my hands to let it know I come here unarmed, no weapons. Step off the bus. You talk the big game. Now I'm here. He done fucking nothing. He sat and took a shit on that bus. Hid a hut, hid and cowered behind fucking women and caused what happened to happen. So that's fucking that. Welcome back to the O Show podcast with Jack and Declan O'Hara, presented by FantasyJocks.com. Gear up for the fantasy season now with trophies, belts, rings, you name it. Be a champ today. Connor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Thank you. That one was kind of a tongue twister. Anyways, they face off at UFC 229 on October 6th, live from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Going to be a hell of a fight between two hotheads who just want to get their hands on each other. That sounded kind of weird. They uh, they really want to beat the hell out of each other is what I'm trying to say, though. As this fight, you can say, is months, even years in the making, with McGregor and company attacking Khabib's bus in New York way back in April of this year. He was arrested by the NYPD, would post bail the next day, and all charges would be dropped within a couple of weeks. Dana White, however, said in April that he was furious about the entire situation, almost going to a point in saying that Conor McGregor would never fight an Ultimate Fighting Championship ever again. Here's what he had to say about the situation. I I, I think that after this disgusting, despicable move, I think everybody's relationship with Conor is going to be not so great. I mean, even the police officer who came to, to me about this is like, God, I was a fan of his too. Not anymore. I mean, this is this is the type of bad decision you make that that turns a lot of people off uh, against you. You know, he attacked a bus. Listen, I, he's got some beef with Khabib because of the Artem thing that went down. You don't you don't come into Barclays Center attack people that are in a bus who are fighting the next day and the worst part is the women that were on the bus they're fighters rose is a fighter and carolina are fighters but these 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 goons are throwing uh you know bike racks and chairs and things like that through the windows of the bus and didn't care who they hit or who they hurt I remember watching that back in April after McGregor turned himself in and posted bail, and then I thought to myself, man, this seems to be legit. Conor McGregor may never fight in the UFC again, not just because he's already made his millions, but because Dana White wouldn't allow it. And here we are five months later, and he's in another multi-million dollar fight against the guy he almost tried to kill back in April. You see, this is what Dana White does, and it's what makes him such a great promoter. It's why he sold the UFC for over $4 billion to WMEIMG back in 2016. It's because he's able to act out a storyline such as this one to draw in not only MMA and UFC fans, but people all around the world, all around the globe, to see this upcoming fight in October. 
two men, two very talented men, squaring off in an octagon for the first time ever. They have serious beef with one another, and one of them is undefeated, and it ain't Conor McGregor. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Great press conference, though. Amazing press conference. Conor McGregor doing his same old shtick as usual, exposing Khabib on the mic. Khabib not very great on the mic, in my opinion. Uh, McGregor promoting his new whiskey brand, uh, Proper 12, saying that he intends to compete with Jameson for the top whiskey brand. Good luck with that, Conor. He actually poured a glass for Dana White and Khabib during the press conference. It was very entertaining, very unusual to see. Here's what Conor was trying to do when he tried to mend with his UFC 229 opponent. You gotta go for your Dana, proper 12. I, I, I'm not proper 12, man. Hand to it, hand to it. And when yeah. I go to the cage, I'm, I'm gonna go like yeah, my last bus. fight. Like, I, I don't drink. Why don't you drink? I don't drink. Why don't you drink? I never drink. I'll tell you, some booze are parties. I never drink. You're mad backwards, no, cunt. No. Now, Conor McGregor can talk all he wants. He says he wants to fight Khabib for the sake of doing what he loves. It's not about the money, although I think it's a little bit about the money. I mean, who wouldn't go for a couple more million bucks for this fight? But he also wants to tear Khabib Nurmagov's head off. That being said, Connor needs to watch out. Khabib Nurmagomedov, got it that time, is a technical fighter in that octagon. He's undefeated. 26-0 lifetime in his MMA career. Conor McGregor has three losses, his last coming in March in uh, 2016 to Nate Diaz, where he tapped out in the second round. Khabib could easily walk away a winner in this one. Conor McGregor has not fought in an octagon since 2016 when he beat Eddie Alvarez at MSG in New York City the night he became the first dual champion in UFC history holding the lightweight and featherweight titles. His last fighting appearance came last year when, of course, he took on Floyd Money Mayweather in Vegas in a boxing fight, which he lost in 10 rounds to the now 15-0 Mayweather, who, by the way, is coming out of retirement yet again in December when he faces against uh, Manny Pacquiao for the second time, so more money in his pocket. Uh, but anyway, Conor McGregor is not going into this fight with much momentum. He's going to be rusty. As hard as he trains, as hard as he trains, he's been out of it for too long. Raising a son in the process over the past two years, he's done nothing but live a lavish lifestyle. You've seen his pictures on Instagram. Nothing but partying with some of the top names in the game. Guys like Quavo Huncho, Justin Timberlake, even Russia's President Vladimir Putin for crying out loud. Now, even more recently, Connor's been training hard, of course, given he probably knew he was fighting months ago and uh, Dana told him about the car storyline. That's what I'm still going with. But he's not going to be the guy that fought four times in one year back in 2015 and 2016. He's just not. Get the fuck out of here! Get the fuck out of here! Sorry, Notorious One, it's true. But hey, you still got $100 million in the bank from your loss to Floyd, so good for you. Who the fuck is that guy? So that fight goes down on October 6th in Vegas on pay-per-view. We'll have a prediction show coming in the next few weeks with myself, Declan, and our buddy Mike Battaglino as we head into the baseball portion of our show. The Yankees clinching a wild-card spot last Saturday with their walk-off win against the Orioles. A 4-3 victory in 12 innings as Aaron Hicks walks it off with a walk-off double down the left-field line, scoring Didi Gregorius, who, by the way, guys, might be out for the remainder of the season. Really? Nobody can stay healthy. Didi slides headfirst into home to score the winning run and now has torn cartilage in his wrist. Did we learn nothing from Gleyber Torres' uh, season-ending injury last season? Did we learn nothing from Mike Trout's injury last season? 
I know DD's a smart guy, but that was not a smart play on his part. Stop sliding head first into a base. Didi Gregorius is way too valuable and way too important for the Yankees to sit on the sidelines as they enter October 3rd against the Oakland A's and even possibly entering Fenway Park late next week on October 5th for the division series. Didi says he'll fight through the pain, and I'm sure he will. And I don't think every MLB player fights or every MLB player plays at 100% anyways, especially this time of year coming into October. But if Didi can't go, if he can't get it going with that torn cartilage in his wrist, who does Aaron Byrne turn to at shortstop? Here's what Yes Network analyst Jack Curry thinks about that. I think, again, as Boone said, it comes down to matchups, but I also think it's pretty simple. It's offense versus defense. If you're really looking for offense, it's going to be Neil Walker going to second base, and you slide Torres from second to short. If defense is what you feel should be a premium, you leave Torres alone at second, and you play Echeverria, who uh, general manager Brian Cashman has called a defensive wizard at shortstop. Also, they could go this route. Start Walker at second base, start Torres at shortstop, and if you get the lead after seven innings, you're moving Torres back to second base and you're bringing that defensive wizard, Echeverria, into shortstop. Not an ideal situation for the Yankees. They lost D.D. to a heel injury not too long ago, and they were so thrilled to get him back, and they now not do not know when they will get him back. So hopefully, hopefully, D.D. Gregorius is ready to go by October 3rd. Still don't know whether or not the game will be played in the Bronx or in Oakland. Time will tell on that as the Yanks only have a one-and-a-half game lead on the A's for the first wild-card spot. We're still in the middle of the final week of the regular season. And although Didi might be hurting heading into this postseason, the Yankees got plenty of backup. Judge is back. Gary Sanchez is back. Well, Gary Sanchez is kind of back. I don't think anybody has been able to find the 2016-2017 Gary. But he's in the lineup. You've got Stanton, you got Hicks, Torres, Miguel Andujar, and then you got the six foot three, two hundred and thirty-five pound beast in Luke Voigt. This man has been on a tear. Clear first baseman of the future of the New York Yankees. Which is the worst possible news you can hear if your name is Greg Bird. Greg Bird was touted as the Yankees' best hitter in the farm system, over guys like Aaron Judge, Miguel Andujar, Glaber Torres, and Gary Sanchez. He just could never be the player that Brian Cashman and the Yankees wanted him to be. And with Neil Walker playing very well behind Luke Voigt at first and all around the infield, this could spell the end for the Birdman of New York and the Bronx. He may not even make the postseason roster. I mean, he literally dropped a ball at first base that was thrown right to him by Glaber Torres a few weeks ago. Like, it was literally right at his chest. All he could do is smile and laugh it off. Smile and laugh it off while he's secretly contemplating packing his bags and getting right out of town. There he is, the Birdman of New York. In other news, Kelly Bryant tells Clemson football that he's transferring from the South Carolina school due to being demoted over freshman quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Salty much, Kelly? Anyways, he's played his final snap at Clemson after tossing 16 career touchdown passes in three years. Here's what he said following making his announcement to leave Clemson. I feel like it's what's best for me and my future. I was just going to control what I can control and try to make the most of my opportunity. But at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like I got a fair shot. I never have been a distraction. I've never been in trouble with anything. To me, it was kind of a slap in the face. I wonder what head coach Dabo Sweeney thought about that. Obviously, uh, saddened and uh, disappointed that he's chosen to leave the team. 
all I can say is is another program wherever he, wherever he decides to go is going to get a quality quarterback and a very quality young man. Kelly was quoted in the Greenville News as saying it was a slap in the face and that he didn't get a fair shake. Uh, what's your response to that? There's no question. He, he, he had a, a very fair shot here and uh, again, I've been honest and open and transparent. This is not middle school. You know, you, you, there's tough decisions that have to be made at this level and you got to do what's best for the team. He's entitled to feel however he wants to feel. Now, I was honestly shocked by the news that he was going to leave Clemson. But if you're looking at the big picture here, and if you're really thinking about it, this is a guy who, in his time behind Deshaun Watson, finally got a chance to start when Deshaun was drafted by the Texans last year. 16-2 record as quarterback, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears he put into this program. However... During the offseason when news broke that Trevor Lawrence was coming into town, everybody had him starting over Kelly Bryant, which I felt was kind of odd, but at the end of the day, Kelly probably felt embarrassed and humiliated that he lost his starting job to Lawrence, and like Coach Sweeney said, he has to make a tough decision for his football program, and likewise, Kelly Bryant had to make a tough decision for himself. Now, with Kelly Bryant moving on from Clemson after losing his starting role, does this inspire Jalen Hurts to get out of town with Alabama and Nick Saban's Crimson Tide? For the moment, no, as Hurts has elected to stay put in Alabama as he continues to share his quarterback duties with Tua Tagovailo. Who made the better decision, Kelly Bryant leaving Clemson or Jalen Hurts staying with Alabama? College football analyst Joel Klatt weighs in. Really tough to compare them because they're such different situations. You might think, oh, like what in the world do you mean? Because it looks exactly the same. No, it's it's so different. And the reason is is because Kelly Bryant's in his final year of eligibility. If he plays one more snap in the fifth game, his football life ends at the end of this season. And so I got to credit Dabo Sweeney a lot for making this decision now and affording Kelly Bryant the opportunity to go and transfer and to save and elongate his football life. Because now he can graduate, he'll transfer without penalty, and he still has one year of eligibility, whereas Jalen Hurts has two years of eligibility. So even if he is used the rest of the season and uses one of those years of eligibility up, he graduates in December, and if he wants to, he can still transfer and have a year somewhere else to play. So that's why I thought... The, the sense of urgency was there for Kelly Bryant and for Dabo Sweeney, and I thought they all handled it well. Outside of the fact that he said it was a slap in the face, I just don't agree with that. I don't think he did anything to lose the position. It was more Trevor Lawrence doing things, uh, in particular from a drive efficiency standpoint, to gain the position. But this is the right thing to do. I think for Kelly's sake, for Dabo's sake, for everybody's sake, I think everyone handled this the right way. So we'll see who made the better decision. Like Klatt said, Hertz does have two more years of eligibility as opposed to Bryant, who only has one year left. For Kelly Bryant's sake, I hope he made the right decision. Huge risk leaving the school he's been at his entire four years. With that being said, it's time to move on to the next segment in today's show. It was a very popular one on our last show for those that listened in in episode 15, What Are You Doing? So I decided to make it a regular segment on each episode. This segment is called... What are you doing? What are you doing? The House with a Clock in Its Walls is out, starring Jack Black out in theaters now, as everybody can go see one of the funniest entertainers and actors out there be absolutely not funny. What are you doing? So, Owen Ficaro stars as Louis Bornevelt, who's a 10-year-old whose parents recently died in a car accident. It's 1955, an era mostly expressed through Bodie lookout cars and vintage hairstyles, and as nerdy, weedy kid who wears steampunk 
goggles everywhere he goes. Lewis stands out at school on a playground, even though he would in 2018 anyways. As I guess as the film opens, he's being shipped cross-country to live with his uncle Jonathan, who's Jack Black, for those of you who haven't seen the movie yet. Uh, he's a proud eccentric who wears embroidered kimonos, plays a saxophone at 3 o'clock in the morning when everybody's sleeping, and is essentially a warlock. I mean, come on, guys. This is the same guy who starred in School of Rock, one of, like, the greatest movies ever. Well, one of my favorite movies anyway, but still, come on. This obviously took him way out of his comfort zone, more of a Harry Potter-type film. So why not get Daniel Radcliffe to do this? What are you doing? Going back to the UFC 229 press conference in New York City, Conor McGregor said that he is back to fight Khabib because he loves to fight and not because he's getting paid because he says he's already set for life and that he doesn't need the money. He also said that his new Irish whiskey, Proper 12, was a direct competitor to Jameson. Balls, Irish whiskey. It's going to dominate the game. Jameson is your... This is a a direct competitor to Jameson. I am coming to take over the whiskey business. Look at the noise it has made. This is a true, true beast I have in my possession here. I do not fight for the prize. I did not begin fighting for the prize. I began to fight because I loved it. That's why I'm here now, because I love this game. So essentially what he's trying to say here is that Dana White can take the money that is owed to Connor for this fight on October 6th and pay him absolutely nothing, right? What are you doing? I thought you were smarter than that, Connor. Orioles drop a tough one today in Boston at Fenway Park. 19-3, the final score. Moving their record to 45-112. and 112. Doing. What are you doing? This is groundbreaking bad. For a team who has Buck Showalter, a man who's been manager for this team for a decade now, with guys like Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo, who have played like two mediocre middle school players all season long. I mean, Chris Davis is hitting 168. 168. He's on a big league roster. He's hitting 168, and he's being paid $17 million to do it. Mark Trumbo is going to finish this year with 17 home runs after launching over 40 a year ago. What the hell? What are you doing? Jets lost to the Browns last Thursday. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, uh, Baker Mayfield played a great game after replacing Tyrod Taylor in the first quarter. So hats off to you Cleveland fans out there. That'll conclude this edition of the Osho Podcast, episode 16, proper 12. Remember, the Osho Podcast is brought to you by FantasyJocks.com. Get your fantasy gear today, all trophies, belts, rings, you name it, gear up for the season today, and be a champ today. And for the remainder of this show, I will play Hootie and the Blowfish, I Go Blind. Hit it, Darius. Try to be
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.